Welcome to the show. Thanks for listening in, everyone. The radio or podcast. Really appreciate you. We got a full 747 studio, full bus today. Deacon Adam <laughs> Conk is back in his seat, all the way back from retreat. And we got producer Chad. So great to be with you guys. Adam, welcome back. Thanks. Great to be back. You look rested. I mean, bright and I don't know. <laughs> well, it was a wonderful time. And if no one has ever been on a retreat before. What are you waiting on? Yeah, but this wasn't like a one-day getaway. This was a oh, whole no. week. Like you were gone for five days? Yeah, and drove out to Oklahoma, the mm-hmm. big OK. Right. And it was more than OK. It was great. <laughs> it was. Yeah, I went to uh, Clear Creek Abbey. It's a Benedictine Abbey out there in the middle of the woods. Did you um, sleep? Did you get some rest? I got a good bit of rest. Also, a lot of work. You know, they work hard at their prayer over there. I mean, it is... It is intense. It's a um, traditional, you might say, abbey. And well, by that, I mean, if you go back a thousand years to a Benedictine abbey in France, it looks the exact same. So like a thousand years ago. Did you like enter into the whole rhythm of their, you know, their prayer? and? Yeah, yada, which is yada. a lot, by the way. Right. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, you live like a monk. Now, they don't, you don't have to. They say, look, come to what you want. Gotcha. But at least for a couple of days, I did the whole day and... um. Did you ever feel guilty for like skipping something? Oh no! Okay, especially the first two days when I took lots of naps. Yeah, no, sleep it off. No guilt. You got to sleep off all the stress. A year's worth of stress and work needs to yeah culminate in some rest. That's awesome, best. man. Well, welcome back. We got a full a full seats full in the in the in the studio today. Actually, cool front coming in, so it's been nice weather. Oh, it's the best. You know, it, it's like I wish in the studio we it was a convertible, mm. like the top would just you know, come off. Uh, but it's great. So, all right, Chad, uh, do you have a, have you seen? What did you say? That is so interesting. Oh, for real though? For real though. You are. <laughs> I do. Um, so you guys have heard of Carlo Acutis? Yeah. So he is on his way to sainthood. He's going to be beatified soon. I don't remember the exact date, maybe October 17th. Now, I got to admit, I've heard of the story, I've heard of him, but I haven't read any details or many details. So, inform me. So, he was just, uh, his body is on display for veneration now, um, but he died in 2006 of leukemia, and I think he was aware that he was going to die, if I'm not mistaken. And so, he spent his last year uh, mapping Eucharistic miracle sites. And he created a website to show them all off, which you can still visit, which I wish I had that pulled up, but I don't really know. How old was he when he passed away? He was 15 years old. Wow. 15 years old. Um, so just this pure-hearted kid, yeah. really, that was in love with Jesus. Was. Yep, that's exactly what he was. And so when he was, his body was pulled up, they found it intact. Intact, which basically, I mean, it's, it's not incorruptible, incorrupted. Is that the right word? Well, I think the difference is pre-investigation versus post-investigation. Right. So, man, if obviously, what year did he die? Two thousand six. So, in his body, so fourteen years later, it's like he's taking a nap. It's still intact. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if they were to investigate me fourteen years later, I would not be intact. (laughs) I'm not. I'm not intact right now. I I have an arm over here. My head would be over (laughs) there. I mean, I would just be. I mean, combustible. I, I am more decomposed than he is, <laughs> for sure. Yeah. Have you seen the pictures, Paul? Yes, I've seen yes, the pictures. Yes, he's like in a hoodie 
and his blue jeans and his Nike kicks. Which is what he got buried looks, in, right? Mm-hmm. Right, which is interesting. Yeah, um, very Italian. Like the that that hoodie is a kind of an Italian that style like tracksuit, yeah. uh, track kind of jacket, and he's a young kid, and and you're just like, wait, what? This is crazy. Now, if you go to, you know, if you go to Rome and you visit a lot of the churches, they do have saints that are incorruptible, and you can see them, you know. Mm-hmm. And it is weird. It's like staring at a wax statue or something. Like if you went to a wax museum, and at first you're just like, uh, and then it, you're just kind of like, this is nuts. Right, mm-hmm. and so to have a modern day, I know, um, man. It's just like it's just the. I think the image that's so striking is the Nike shoes. Like you could just, yeah. He, like he looks like a young kid buried there, and he's got Nike shoes on. That's just like so, yeah. It was so modern. Right. Well, look, I'm not the Pope, but if I was, I would certainly give old Nike a call and say, "Look, you're about to get so much advertisement for till Jesus comes back." Because this guy, he's incorrupt. <laughs> he's got your shoes on. I think a nice little payment once a year to the church could be in order. Get a little advertising. And you never Nike. know. That might be happening. We just would never know about it. Well, that's it. what I'd be doing. You know, which, yeah. which is so cool. You know, if there are any parents or young people listening to this, I think it's a good story to share, get out there. Because, you know, oftentimes what I hear from young people is like, oh, I can't live the faith or it's too hard or you don't know about my friends or you know, even from young adults or, you know, it, it's impossible. And the reality is that it's not, right? It's hard. It's difficult. And I'm sure it was hard for him as a kid. Um, but he chose to live for Jesus and, and, you know, seeing the end of his life near, like he, then he just dedicated everything. You know, you would have some people say, oh, I have a year left. That I'm going to, I'm going to like go into sin. I'm going to do all those things. <laughs> and this kid yeah. chose to do the godly things in the last years of his life. I know. Instead of saying, like, I want to see the world, he's like, I want to see Jesus. And, like, I mean, mm-hmm. he did travel. Like, I mean, a lot of people would choose to travel in their last year, but he traveled to go see Jesus. Yeah, that's crazy. And bring Jesus to the world. Well, and he was genuinely in love with the Lord, especially in the Eucharist. And you can read some of the conversation between him and his mom has been written down. Um, I mean, he obviously didn't, like, write a book or anything. It's not like he's the type of saint where we can read pages and pages of what he thought or... But his mom has written down a lot of the things he would say. And, I mean, he, he loved the Lord, and um, especially in the Eucharist. It's funny, you know, contemporary saints, you know, because we don't think about this, but now we're thinking about it. We'll have websites built, you know, mm-hmm. like, you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. like the technology age built into, you know, the ability, you know, in our, our Christian living, you know, if we do it right. Right, like so, you know, you mentioned like a young saint, and he built a website. You know, it's yeah. like you know, you would never mention those two things in a conversation about a saint, right? Because you know they're they're so historical, and and to have these these young contemporary saints, you know, in the mix is crazy. You know, this is sort of like when people talk about Catholics who aren't Catholic, like man, you guys are strange. This is weird, <laughs> you know, and it is weird. Like it's crazy to think that. You know, there, there is a, a body intact that the church is investigating into sainthood. They go, you know, look at it, and whoa, you know, it, it's just all there. And, you know, that that's crazy stuff. It is. It's cool. I mean, it, it, this goes back, you know, thousands of years on how the church has, has done this. Yeah, and it used to be one of the miracles that could count towards your canonization. If they dug you up and you're incorrupt, like, oh, miracle number two, done. But that's not the case anymore because of modern embalming and stuff, because you can't say with a thousand percent certainty that this is a miracle the way you could, you know, 400 Mm -hmm. years ago. 
Um, and so that's why the, the church is hesitant, because once you declare this a miracle, which is the incorrupt designation, once you declare it, you can't undeclare it. And it really needs to be from the Holy Father, something of, it's not infallible per se, but people are going to wrap their faith around this event. You better be darn sure that this is actually a miracle, um, which is why they're going to investigate it very thoroughly. Mm. Yeah, it's not. So people can look, where, where can people find out information on it? Uh, I found it on Catholic News Agency. Yeah. Um, and just, I mean, it's easy to Google just Carlo Acutis. He's not a blessed yet. A saint with Nike shoes. But he should be, beati- <laughs> he's going to be beatified soon. I don't know. Do you know what his first miracle was? I don't. It was some kind of healing, but I don't Right. Yeah. Well, I actually have a have you seen, and I think, Chad, this would be related to you. You would find this as good news. Okay. Uh, yeah. So study shows, okay, so I like studies and statistics. <laughs> official study, <laughs> official study shows, finds that watching and playing with cute animals is good for your health. I believe And they it. have a picture of ducks. <laughs> yeah? Yeah. Man. So so That's Chad funny. has a has a, a gaggle of ducks yeah. uh, in his yard. My wife has been talking about uh making some ducklings. Yeah. So and some more ducklings. It's interesting that studies would show that like when you have like these cute animals, you watch them or you have them, it lowers your stress and anxiety. Okay. Now, I know this is gonna sound crazy, but um you know, animals are God's creation, right? Like when you found yourself on retreat, Adam, sort of away from like the world technology and you're like out in the middle of nowhere and there's trees and sun and birds, like honestly, like God's creation sort of brings you into like just this, you know, contemplation of, of beauty, right? Yeah, it was wonderful. I mean, I found animals. There was a deer in the woods that was about three feet from me. And were you like disgusting? No. I'm stressed, like, right? Wow, that's so cool. Right. Well, it depends what animal you see. And if I saw a bear three feet in the woods from me, I'd be like, disgusting, stressed. But if you had a pet bear, okay? Yeah, pet bear. Yeah. Okay. How now they Like they Yogi. Had, Yogi they had chickens that had one duck in it. So they had a whole bunch of chickens there because, I mean, they're self-sustaining in, the, in this abbey, you know? So I ate eggs from those chickens. But um, there was one duck amongst the chickens. And I wanted to ask Chad about that and I almost forgot until we brought this up. But mm-hmm. they had one lone duck amongst Every now and then, 30 chickens. You I've know, seen that where there's been like a herd of cattle and there's like a deer with them maybe they lost and, and they just kind of found their way and and just you know made it in there you that know? sounds like a children's was story a, just waiting to be no was it a male or a female do you know <laughs> oh Couldn't i don't tell. know enough about ducks yeah, i don't know well please i know people will <laughs> i can inform you a little bit let's make uh well, well you can tell by the head usually but mm. the the chickens are really good at raising eggs and ducks are not and so mm-hmm. they'll often put duck eggs with chickens to raise ducklings. Interesting. So that's that's the only thing I could think. Animal, Unless the duck just happened to end up there. Yeah. They're kind of dumb. They're birds. You know, it, you know, what's crazy is you want to travel a lot. I would often see people with traveling with pets. And, you know, there's sort of this anxiety or stress pets that they would travel with. A dog, um, you know, and, I, and I've had friends who have had, you know, animals to to help them deal with PSD, you know, just stress, anxiety, um, and then people travel with them. The best thing I ever saw uh, was a mini horse. You know, someone was traveling with a, a, a mini horse. No and kidding. It was it was the cutest thing That's I've awesome. ever seen. Right. That's awesome. And it it you know it's interesting how animals have the ability to sort of you know calm us down and you know reduce our stress. It, it's pretty amazing to me because. You know, it's God's creation just being 
who it is. Like an animal can't change who it is, mm-hmm. right? It just is who it is. But we we get all stressed and worried and and you know warped throughout life, and then, and then it's in the reality of God's creation that we're sort of calmed down. You know, I know my wife. Whenever she gets like a hard, has a really hard day, she'll just go outside with the dog for thirty minutes and watch the ducks, and like pet the dog and watch the ducks, and that's like the perfect way. I mean, it just works. Yeah, and look, this isn't like you know, like Paul. What are you talking about? Well, you know, this Sunday we're uh, celebrating the feast of Saint Francis of Assisi, right? Wow. Who's known for what? Uh, talking to animals. His love for animals. <laughs> yeah, like exactly. He was like the 12th century Bob Ross. <laughs> Happy little trees. Yeah. It's so interesting <laughs> when you see like pictures of St. Francis of Assisi and then like there's like little birds flying over his head. Mm. You know, I don't know what that means, but <laughs> you know, it, it's kind of crazy. But you know, he's like the patron of like, you know, animals. Animals, totally. Didn't he preach to fish? Wasn't that like one of the things he did? Well, that was uh, St. Anthony was the fish guy. Oh, right, right. But Francis, yeah, he talked to, there's a story of him calming a wolf that was attacking the uh, village. And then it became the village pet after he talked to him. Wow, that's where dogs are born. I wonder if they ever talked back to him. Like, not bad. Like, don't talk back to me. (laughs) But like... (laughs) What you talking about, Francis? (laughs) But like, really talk back to him, you know? Mm. I don't know. I mean, he's... he's, People will say that after the apostles, uh, St. Francis is the holiest saint. Um, You still got Mary, Joseph, John Baptist, whatever, the apostles, then St. Francis... I mean, he has certainly had, I mean, the stigmata, special relationship with God's creation. He had this ability to make peace. He was a peacemaker. I mean, he went to the Holy Land when the Muslims were occupying it, fully expecting to be killed, but somehow gained safe passage for the whole Franciscan order for perpetuity because he was able to actually connect with the Sultan, make sense with him. You know what I'm saying? Like, he, this guy was something. Yeah, well, if you have birds flying around your head, I'm mm-hmm. sure it's like really confusing for the sultan to be like, oh, "This is an interesting character, <laughs> like Doctor Doolittle or something." <laughs> yeah, I should, I should. All right, we're gonna take a break, and we'll be right back. The Paul George Show is made possible in part by our partners at Solidarity Healthshare. Solidarity is the Catholic solution to the healthcare problem. Are you paying too much for your healthcare cost? Solidarity Healthshare is a healthcare sharing ministry which provides an ethical way to fund healthcare cost while protecting and practicing our Catholic beliefs. Best yet, Solidarity HealthShare's members are exempt from the fines and penalties in the Affordable Care Act. Visit SolidarityHealthShare.org. That's SolidarityHealthShare.org. Welcome back to the show. Great to be with you. Thanks for listening in on KLFT Radio, Catholic Radio for Kenya. Or on the podcast, iTunes, Google Play, SoundCloud. Uh, you can share the show, be a part of it. Great to be with you. Uh, great to have Deacon Adam Conk back in the studio and producer Chad. Um, yeah, I mean, St. Francis, you know, there, there's so many stories about St. Francis. And we've actually talked about him in the past. Like, he'll just kind of come up every now and then. Mm-hmm. You know, he's like one of the most famous saints. And like people who aren't even Christian or practicing Catholics or whatever the case may be, kind of know him. They just know of him. You know, like people would know of Mother Teresa. You know, they would know St. Francis of Assisi. They'd know stories or see images. You know, you were telling us off air that he speak spoke. He doesn't speak anymore. <laughs> I mean, he could, I guess, as a saint. Yeah, I, don't know. <laughs> I mean, nine languages, which is crazy because yeah. like in the, in the early thousands, like to be able to learn and study nine languages when, you know, 
schooling wasn't what it is today and technology and, you know, the ability to have those materials at your fingertips. It's crazy. Well, he was wholly devoted to the mission of the church. And, you know, he pursued poverty in an, an extreme way, but so that it would open him up for love of God and neighbor. And that's, see, outside the church, we look at people like St. Francis or even Jesus. You know, they look at these figures and they say, oh, you know, that simplicity, that um, uh, lack of ambition, like all these things. But for what end? We forget about why, right? Jesus was not a great teacher just to be a great teacher. He was a great teacher to lead people to his Father into a kingdom that knows no end. St. Francis was not someone who loved poverty for poverty's sake or simplicity for simplicity's sake or animals for animals' sake. All was for the glory of God and the advancement of the kingdom. And so what did he do with this time he had? He learned uh, different languages to be able to preach the gospel in. Right. You know, his brothers were worried. It was the new evangelization. We think it's so new. It's a brand new idea. It was not a new idea. No, you know? it was just... Anyone who loves Jesus in any generation is going to say, how can we bring the gospel to as many people as possible? Right. And devote themselves to that. Absolutely. And, you know, as a deacon, you probably have a special connection because what many people don't know is that Francis was a deacon. Mm-hmm. And he actually chose not to be ordained a priest. The priesthood. It's not like he couldn't, in a sense, like he had the education, he had the ability, he had people in his religious order that were priests. And he was like, no, I want to be a servant. I want to be a deacon. You know, mm-hmm. where most people would desire more control or power or authority, he was like, no, that's not what God wants for me. And I'm going to do what God wants for me. And that's crazy because we... We can all relate to like, oh, I want to be known. I want more. I want more, you know, things, control, whatever. And he was constantly what I would call downward mobility. Like he was trying to figure out how to serve more, how to be lower, how to how to be less recognized. And you know, his his poverty, his simplicity was was his way of living the gospel in purity and not being controlled by everything else, you know, even to the point where he was like, no, I'm, I'm not going to be a priest. It's crazy. Yeah, he was my confirmation saint, and I didn't think much of it at the time, but I really didn't know much about him when I chose him. You know, I was into my faith by confirmation. I was curious about saints, and for some reason he stood out, St. Francis of Assisi. And I think, looking back, I think what it was was his complete commitment to the gospel. And if you've, if you've seen any film, there's a few by, about St. Francis. But uh, Brother, Son, Sister Moon is one of them. But I watched that, and this is what got me into St. Francis. But to see it enacted where that scene where he literally gives everything away and says, God is my father now, to the point of even stripping naked in front of town because he didn't want his clothes his father gave him. Like he renounced literally everything and said, God is my father. I think that struck something in me as a young man. You know, I wanted, I wanted to live like that. And he made it seem possible. So I chose St. Francis, but I don't particularly love animals. I love eating animals. I like having a dog, <laughs> you know, but I'm not like a, a horse whisperer or anything. Right. Um, but it was in my retreat preparing for ordination, well, a retreat before that, um, but I was discerning the diaconate, you know, really getting into it, and I was at a monastery in Covington, and I was doing um, the meditations my spiritual director gave me to do, and I'm sitting in the church, and I'm just having this conversation with the Lord, and I look up, and to the right was St. Francis, an image of his just looking at me. And then right next to him was St. Stephen, the first deacon. And so you had these two deacons staring at me. <laughs> and yeah, I felt like this new connection to St. Francis. Um, now he became a deacon towards the end of his life, but... Those are powerhouse deacons right there. Yeah. And St. Francis was not a CC. 
Who's not a sissy. <laughs> got that? That's right. You know, and he wasn't perfect. Like, Saints aren't perfect. We're talking about this, you know, young kid in the first segment. You know, it's not that Saints are sinless and lived this perfect life. They, they just dedicated everything to the Lord. Like, even for Francis, you know, God said rebuild the church. And Francis thought, oh, okay, I'll build a physical church. And so he started building a physical church, um, you know, San San. Domino, what? How do you say it? Dami, Damiano, San Damiano, Damiano, yeah, Saint Dominic, Saint Dominic, and he he built it. You can go to CC and you can see it. I've I've, I've I've walked through it. So, Damien, 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 Saint yeah, Damien, yeah, there it is. And um, so he re- rebuilt a physical church, and then God was like, "Ah, good job." Now that's not what I was saying. <laughs> I was saying no, like actually rebuild the church spiritually, like go out there and preach the gospel. And so that's when, like, there was like, oh, wow, okay. And there was a, a turn. So it's not like he, you know, was perfect in even hearing God's will. He just he just did it with everything he had, you know, which was, mm-hmm. you know, I didn't go. So that's the thing about God. I, the biggest hindrance to God's will is not our misunderstanding it. It's our inaction toward it. Us trying to follow God's will is a lot like an arrow that's been shot out of a bow. Like God can direct that arrow in any direction as long as it's moving. You know, as long as you're sincerely leaving this world behind and flying towards him, he can direct it. Our biggest issue in the 2,000 years of church history is that we're not willing to be shot out of that, out of that bow. We're not going to move in any direction because either we want to, but we're too hesitant and afraid we're going to go in the wrong direction, or we're just too scared to fly. Right, know? yeah. But yeah. like for him, he was directed <clears throat> by the Holy Father himself. He went to get his order approved, and the Pope had a vision the night before that God would send him a man who was going to rebuild the church, and here's St. Francis, who was that man. So, I mean, God directed it. He just moved, and God put him in the right direction. And saints always come out in a time of real adversity in, in life and in the church and in the world. And I think in, in our time right now, as difficult as it is and as stressed as we are and of all the ups and downs we feel and, and, and see and sense and are experiencing in our world, this is the opportunity for God to carve us the way he wants. This is the way for God to refine us the way he wants so that we can come out of any adversity in the world better and holier and trying to be saints. So, yeah, I'm, I may never... And you, but maybe, I don't know, recognize as a saint, and they may never dig me up, probably not, and see, you know, my boots. <laughs> maybe and to steal something from my, me. My jeans, it's like, oh, he's got boots on, and they're still there. <laughs> you know, that, that's probably not going to happen, but it doesn't mean that I don't pursue that, you know, that, mm-hmm. that just, like, I want to follow God with everything I have, you know? And I and I do think, like, we are experiencing more more than ever sort of this this world of stress and anxiety, but this isn't anything new, you know. Like when you look, read, you know, in the reading coming up this Sunday, in the second reading, really caught me. Um, you know, when Saint Paul says this in Philippians, he says, "Have no anxiety at all." I mean, so you know, the stress—that's well, easy—and and, mm. and and fear, worry, anxiety were was was even there back then. You just see what I'm saying? Like this isn't mm-hmm. like this new. Uh, sort of new feeling or concept. He says, have no anxiety at all, but in everything, 
by prayer and petition with thanksgiving make your request known to God. I mean, there's a lot there in that one in that one verse that he's saying for us. You know, first is you know in everything pray. And that's one of the things that St. Francis did. Like he was committed to to prayer, like in his whole life, what you experienced on your retreat, the rhythm of the Benedictines, you know, they probably have less anxiety than we do. Not totally. that they don't, but their life of rhythm and prayer certainly um, keeps them focused on what's important, what's greater, what what's, you know, peaceful in their life, right? I thought about that a lot, actually, because these are 60 guys, at least half of them are priests or are going to be priests, right? And I thought about all the priests in my life and really, I was thinking exactly what you were saying. These, these guys had a lot less stress and anxiety than the priests I know. And a lot of it is the responsibility, the weight of things they have to worry about mm -hmm. every day. But they're both priests, you know? But and these are different vocations, obviously. But I think there's something we can learn from these monks, is that if we live a certain way within the will of God, there is less anxiety. Right, And if we're out of that or if we're out of step with that or not living it as full as we could, we actually invite a lot of worldly anxiety and, and things to worry about. For a lot of these monks, the biggest problem of their day is that brother so-and-so is particularly annoying. <laughs> you know, it's not how we're going to pay the bills, how we're going to raise collections, how we're going to deal with coronavirus. None of that, you know? It's like, you pick my vegetables and I don't <laughs> want you to. Why are you going into my part of the garden? Why do you keep peeling those potatoes in this fashion? Yeah, you chew too loud during silent time. I'm coming after you. So still anxieties, but less intense. Right. Well, I think there's a, you know, there's a difference between stress and anxiety. You know, I mm. think anxiety is at that point where you feel like, you know, we've all maybe been there where, where your, your chest is tight, where, where you're... It, it's sort of like the cloud starts to kind of hover over you and, and you feel like that there's no way out. It, it, you know, you know, stress is just like, oh, there's, there's a lot going on. I got a lot on my plate. I, I feel a little overwhelmed. And that does lead into this area of anxiety where we feel like we're, you know, I'm trapped. I can't, you know, what do I do? I'm, I'm sort of paralyzed, you know? And so when St. Paul's saying have no anxiety at all, it's like God doesn't want us at that point. We understand that we're all going to have some type of stress in our life, but to get to this point where, you know, we we can't we can't move forward, we can't operate. Like that's what he's saying when he says have no anxiety at all. Like God doesn't want you there, so here's what to do. And he's like, pray, okay, um, in everything, pray. Like have that rhythm of prayer. And I think oftentimes, and it is harder. I think you know for lay folks who families and you're busy and your schedules are a lot different than if you lived. You know, in a monastery, you know, it is like our rhythm of prayer looks different and has to be different, but it doesn't mean that we can't have a rhythm of prayer that keeps us relating our stress and our anxiety to the Lord and having that conversation consistently, right? So I think one of the obstacles for lay folks is we tend to look at the stress relieving power of prayer as a stress relieving exercise, like petting a dog, playing with ducks shooting pool, playing music, like prayer can provide the same kind of thing. And this is what we do with God all the time. We, we act like God is something we um, initiate, you know, my relationship with God, like, oh, I'll turn to God when I need. And we forget that actually he initiates and mm -hmm. we just respond. And 
prayer is the foundation of life that allows for God's will to take place, which is the most peaceful thing for us. Like it's the less anxiety ridden thing. And so it's not an effect. It's really a cause. Prayer is a cause. It's not just something for me to go to when I'm experiencing the effect of trials or tribulations or stress. And it's very difficult, but I think that's what the daily committed time does for us is that it takes, we can, it takes us out of prayer being reactionary. Like when I feel like I need to pray, I pray. It makes prayer more foundational to my life. Um, and that's a challenge for lay people because we, we react to so many things, right? Right. Mm-hmm. Like we, we have to. There's so many crises every day to deal with. Right. Kids and job and everything else. Yeah. I mean, I got a ton going on today. Just, you know, sick kids and broken cars and like this and we got to go here. I mean, you just, it just, it's just constant. And then, you know, I find myself like, okay, like, well, I got to bring it to God. Let me talk to him about it. Even in between all the craziness and the busyness, you know, um, like like that's where the conversation goes. Or I can take my stress somewhere else and it's going to turn into anxiety, mm-hmm. right? You know, I can turn away from God. But it's as you were saying, Adam, it's like God pursuing us. Like it, he's the initiator of the conversation. So mm-hmm. when we go to God, he's like, yeah, I was already here. It's not like he's like, oh, I didn't know. You know, nice of you to show up. Right, nice. He, he's like, oh, I was already here just waiting for the conversation. You know, so when St. Paul says by prayer and petition, that means like conversation, like let God know everything. Like don't hold anything back. Like just, you know, spew it out. It's not like God can't take what you have and hold it, put it on his shoulders. You know, I mean, he died on the cross carrying the weight of the world and sin. He wants to have that conversation and he wants your petitions to go to him, not to some something else. Mm-hmm. Well, to put it in, um, I guess, modern terms, every morning God sends out a text message. <laughs> Ding. What's up? What's up? <laughs> hey. Now, if we don't answer it till the afternoon, we're not particularly close to that friend, right? Mm-hmm. You know, if I get a what's up at 7 a.m. and I'm answering at like 6 p.m., not much. Yeah, but there are times you could be like, hey, so sorry, the text message slipped. I didn't see it. Yeah. I love you. Hey, let me, can I call you? There are times like, you know, that kind of happens with a good friend. Oh, right? yeah, yeah. But I mean, like, if that's our normal experience. Right. No, if that's an everyday thing, the other person's like, yeah, he didn't, that per- they don't really like me. They don't really care. But in all the relationships that matter in our life, we get a rhythm of when we talk to that person, like whether it's our spouse, when we see them in the morning, when we see when we get home. God wants to be that first conversation. He sent that text message early, like right when you woke up. It's yeah. Like, hey. <laughs> Even if it's a little response, like it doesn't have to be, let me call you and have a 20-minute conversation or an hour conversation, but there has to be some connection with him. Um, yeah. yeah. Good morning. Thank yeah. you, Jesus. I love you. You know, let's have a conversation later. Mm-hmm. You know, I'll call you. I'll call you later. <laughs> but like, let, and I and I do think you know when, you know when Saint Paul you know talks about in the epistles, pray without ceasing. That idea that that this conversation with God isn't just like, I'll talk to you and then shut the door. It it is. It's an open door invitation of just like the conversation's always happening. And I think that's what's important for us to know that we certainly have prayer time as as the gospel you know talks about going to your closet and pray right. But but praying without ceasing is like the conversation's always happening. Yep. Like you, mm-hmm. like you don't have to turn it off and on with God. It can just be like You're always texting, checking in, texting throughout the day. Yeah, absolutely. But, yeah, but it's like it's like with uh, maybe with your spouse or with a friend. Like you have to sit down and talk. 
and have a full conversation. Like you can't just exactly. text all day. Yeah. So it's interesting in the in this verse, and and you guys will hear it on Sunday. It's Philippians uh, chapter four, six through nine. If you're listening, thanks for listening in today on the podcast or on the radio. Paul George, producer Adam, Deacon Adam. I mean, Deacon Adam, <laughs> producer Chad. I just mixed y'all up because y'all, you know, I changed seats in the studio today. But it does Things say this. Wild. It says, yeah. which would be cool when you hear it at Mass on Sunday. Have no anxiety at all, but in everything by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, make your request known to God. And that's the caveat there. Like That's like the don't forget. With thanksgiving, make your request known to God. Because without that gratitude, like what ends up happening is we turn inward. You know, We're just like, everything sucks. It's, it's difficult. Our anxiety just... What ends up happening is when you begin to think about with thanksgiving the things that you're grateful for, the things that God has done, the things that, that are good, and the things that, that um, you know, just are pulling you through, that it's like the cloud begins to lift, you know, and you begin to, to, to feel sort of the stress and worry, anxiety kind of go away. And that's what St. Paul is talking about with thanksgiving. Don't forget that because it, you could just dump on God, but if you're not grateful, it doesn't, it doesn't, change really the atmosphere of your heart you know because you're just looking to god to accomplish something in your life instead of being grateful i'm so thankful lord for this this even if it's just minor things yeah one of the i made me think about something like if god's always initiating then even like when we're requesting things it's sort of like hey god's like hey uh you need this do you do you want it and he's like and you're like yeah i do (laughs) can i have it and he's like yeah here you go you know it's, it's, a, it's just like an interesting, I never really, you know, because we, we often like, oh man, I need this, I need this, I need this. I never really consider that God's like, hey, you need, I'm the one reminding you that this is what you need. Like you need me and you need patience and you need whatever to trust in me. Do you want to? And I think to draw on the wisdom of another saint we celebrated yesterday, St. Therese, I mean, her big thing is being childlike, right? Like, of course, that was Jesus's big thing too. He said, <laughs> you can't enter the kingdom if you're not a child, but the lack of stress of a child is exactly that situation. A child doesn't know what it needs, you know, and even if it guesses what it needs, it's probably going to be wrong, which is our case too. Um, so to be humble enough to be that child and just let daddy say what you need and then say, yeah, can I have that? You know, there's a certain peace and lack of anxiety about that situation. And I think we feel very anxious, especially like a child without a father. We, when we think it's all on us, that's when we get anxious. Mm-hmm. You know, like when good things can't happen without me initiating them, because we start to doubt that we have what it takes. We start to doubt that we've crossed every T and dotted every I. Um, when we remember that in Thanksgiving, God has already provided everything we need, there's a lack of stress to that and anxiety. We're just children. Yeah. And one of the things, like, oftentimes in my life when I feel like I'm in, in sort of drifting into desolation or, you know, this this sort of anxiety i'll kind of reconnect with with a gratitude journal or a thanksgiving journal I'll just start writing down things i'm grateful thankful for like just every day and it, it, it'll really begin to change my perspective you know and, mm-hmm. and actually change my prayer time with god because i'm not looking at god as sort of this like hey take this all away i'm just i'm starting to see god in this relationship in this conversation and that gratitude begins to clear clear my vision because, you know, the lack of gratitude is just focusing on everything that's bad, right? And then we go to God for everything that's bad, right? But there's still so much good 
even in the difficulty, right? Um, we can we can begin to think of the things that are good and we're grateful for. Mm-hmm. Yeah, one of the things I was I was gonna ask uh, later on, but we, a lot of mental health professionals are suggesting that people there's a rise in cases of anxiety or people with I don't know if it's clinical. I mean, maybe it's clinical anxiety. And I was gonna ask maybe what you thought it was, but it seems like what you said was that uh, there's a general disconnect for people with the father. Like they just don't have the father, like the capital F father, mm-hmm. like God, the father, which is interesting that, you know, most of our society where it seems like people are generally moving away from religion and into sort of a secular mindset. But when they do that, they like lose their father. And that's terrible. Yeah, you, know? you do. And you become an orphan. Nobody likes being an orphan, you know, yeah. But I mean, the reality is we live in just a crazy busy world. I mean, if you just think of a hundred years ago and you just grew up on a farm, you had no, you know, maybe electricity or phone and your family just grew up and you raised your crops and and you ate, like things were very simple. Stress was less, right? It was slower, yeah. It was slower. And, you know, here we are in this, the modern age of of just craziness. And I, I often think like, I don't know if our, if our, physical makeup the way God created us was was to contain all that's in this world right um and so you know anxiety and stress is on the rise and is high you know well that is a secular culture secular culture is built around if God exists he doesn't affect our daily life like we are all about today and not about tomorrow not about heaven we're about earth and whether we are secular people or people of faith we live in a secular culture and it is stressful and anxious. And so a lot of us, even Christians, were not immune from the anxieties of that culture. And I think when people were more connected with the Father, it was simpler. Things moved slower. You still had problems. But the culture at least looked forward. It doesn't now. It just looks to now. Um, this world is all we have. And that's, you can get very anxious, I think, because you'll never do enough to make this world make sense. Right. Like, no amount of technology, no amount of scientific breakthrough, no amount of humanitarian aid to the poor, nothing will make sense out of this world. This world will never make sense. Yeah. And so we're just set up for anxiety. Yeah. And, you know, you're talking about how God's the initiator and the pursuer. It'd be like this, like you have a kid, you know, and you expect as a father for your kid to come to you, to talk to you and tell you that they love you, but you never go to them. Mm. Right. Like you would never do that as a dad, not go to your kid and say, hey, I love you. Mm-hmm. And then they say, I love you back, right? Um, like that's the heart of, of a parent, of a father, is to, is to pursue your children, like to be the initiator of love, right? And then the kid responds to that, okay? That's what prayer is, is prayer is not the kid coming to the father, but the father going to the kid and the kid recognizing the father's voice. Mm. And that voice being like, oh, dad said he loved me. Oh, yeah. Well, as your kid gets older, guess what? They're on their phone. I'll go to my kid's room, and they're on their phone or doing their homework, and I'll say I love you, and they don't hear it. Mm. Okay, that's the busyness of life. That's us, you know, not realizing that God's pursuing because, uh, you know, we're just not hearing. It's not like God stopped pursuing us and say, hey, I just want to remind you today I love you. We just stopped listening. So then I have to look at my kid you know, put my hand on their shoulder. Hey, put the phone down. Look me in the eye. I know you got a lot going on. I want to tell you something. I love you. And they're like, oh, oh, dad, I didn't hear that. Oh, I love you too. That's sort of this, you know, this, this ebb and flow 
that even oftentimes we have with God, it's not that God's not pursuing us, it's that we're just not hearing him often. And we have we do have to shut down some things. We do have to close, you know, you know, some some applications and get away and pray, whether on retreat or just daily rhythms, so that we can hear the voice of the Father who's every day actually been saying the same thing over and over. I love you. I'm with you. I'm there for you. Mm, that's interesting. I think I think then anxiety is a sort of like I don't know that everybody knows when they're just serving the world, you know, and like that's if they're living for the world. I don't know if it's you know that initially, but I think maybe anxiety is a thing that gives you is like a sign that maybe I am serving the world because the world's demanding so much of me and I don't think I can fulfill it. Or I don't think I can give it all what what it's asking of me. And anxiety is sort of a result of that. It is for me. Totally. I know I know when yeah, I'm just sort of being, you know, lost in like all the stressors of the world and, and, and these, you know, it's like, yeah, you, you feel the anxiety rising and the only way to get away from that. And look, there are some clinical cases where we struggle with stress or anxiety, maybe need some counseling and medication like that. That's all part of it. But, but the spiritual life is a huge part of like being able to get lost in relationship with God and he take care of my stress and worries and anxieties because a lot, most of the things that I stress and worry about, I can't control anyway. Mm-hmm. Like if you think about them, mm-hmm. like I, can't hear, I, can't, I have zero control over most things I have anxiety about. Right, it's true. That's part of the reason for the anxiety. Right. Well, because <laughs> a, lot, cause a lot of our life is determined by the culture in which we live, and a lot of things we can't do. We can't do anything about that. Some of us, and may, you know, God's calling us this, and it's beautiful. But some of us you know, just go out to the farm and raise goats and forget about the world completely, all right, with our families. And that's cool. Sounds, and I know people who do this, and it sounds fun. pretty awesome, right? But for a lot of us, that's not God's calling in our life to, right. to do that. And and so we live in this secular world, and it's kind of, we're at a disadvantage. And I think as American Catholics, our biggest dis- disadvantage is our expectation of work and output. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like, to, to support a family, we have to spend our best hours of the day working, we give the best of ourselves to an industry or an organization that will put food on our table, right? Mm-hmm. Like, that's not necessarily outside of America how things work. Like, in Europe, the work week is a lot less hours, and there's a lot less expectation for productivity. Paul has some funny stories about going to Rome and experiencing that. Yeah. <laughs> but, like, you are not expected to produce And as there's much. a lot less <laughs> expectation yeah. for success or material mm-hmm. goods. Like, people are okay with living simpler, one vehicle, mm-hmm. you know, one apartment. You know, like, you know, it's just, and, and there's no like looking down of like, oh, you only have one car. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it's just, it is different. And I, I don't mm-hmm. know, you know, our culture, our American culture was sort of built with this like, you know, industrialism, you know, yeah. in it. So now it's not incompatible with the gospel, but I think as American Catholics, we have to recognize we're at a disadvantage. We don't have the normal ebb and flow of prayer and work that a typical, a healthy, natural situation would give us. We don't. So to compensate, we have to go more than, you know, for example, with prayer, like I have to wake up a lot earlier than I think a normal human being would to be able to get the prayer that I need to compensate for the amount of output I'm going to give in that day. Mm -hmm. And that's just my American Catholic life. You know, that's what balances that out. Um, if I lived on an island with other Catholics, I don't think I'd spend eight hours a day working for one objective. A Catholic island. There'd be a lot of kids on that Catholic island. <laughs> be, be overpopulated. Real quick. For sure. Yeah, within like two generations. We know St. Thomas Aquinas talked about that kind of. He said how like 
you know, laws are for the unvirtuous. But if you had a scenario where you had a lot of virtuous people living together, you'd need very few laws. Sure. Like Catholic Island. Catholic <laughs> Island. All right, speaking of, we'll take a break on that point. All right, we'll be right back. The Paul George Show is made possible in part by our partners at Solidarity HealthShare. Solidarity is the Catholic solution to the health care problem. Are you paying too much for your health care cost? Solidarity HealthShare is a healthcare sharing ministry which provides an ethical way to fund healthcare costs while protecting and practicing our Catholic beliefs. Best yet, Solidarity HealthShare's members are exempt from the fines and penalties in the Affordable Care Act. Visit SolidarityHealthShare.org. That's SolidarityHealthShare.org. Welcome back to the show. Thanks for listening in. Paul George, Deacon Adam Kong, producer Chad. Great to be with you guys today. I don't know, like, um, if I had to choose, like, a cool pet to have, you know, what I would choose. But those mini horses are, like, amazing. <laughs> they really are. They're really cool. They're like horses, but smaller. That is not what I would have expected you to choose. Hence the word mini. Mini. They also have those little, those little mini pigs that people have as pets that are like you know real comforting. Yeah, pretty adorable. Yeah, pretty adorable. I would like a mini horse for just one reason, really. Uh, I want to be able to talk around people and say, and they say, "Are you feeling okay?" So yeah, just a little horse, and then present my mini horse. I would like that to look so dumb. to do the same thing and look at the horse and be like in front of people and be like, "Why such the long face?" Nice. Yeah. Cheer up, buddy. <laughs> yeah. So, anyway. I mean, a mini horse is just pun gold. Pun gold. <laughs> yeah. That's how I would get it. All right. So, how about we do a six-pack of questions? Question. Question number one. So, we we covered a, a large girth we did. of content. Yeah. But we, we, start. we orbited it around a lot of things. <laughs> we started... We started our journey kind of talking about modern sainthood and things like that. Um, as a parent, you know, a lot of us can get very discouraged about the state of our world and our kids, the mistakes they made and things like that. I don't know. What is your best advice on raising holy kids, but also not being too stressed out about that reality and not being too discouraged when they make mistakes and they sin, just like probably Blessed Carlo, soon to be Blessed Carlo did as well? Yeah, so, you know, it it's hard. I would just say, like, here's the number one thing that you can do as parents. The best thing that you can give your kids is a good marriage. That's the best parenting that you can do because that's the school of love. It's the school of life. It's the school of learning is seeing two people work out life together in an imperfect way, love each other, choose to love, work through the ups and downs of life and be consistent in that and to have that stability uh, across the board. And that's you, you don't see the results of that until your kids get older and, and the formation that it just did by what you did together by being together, okay? And we get so trapped in, like, all this parenting advice and all these things we should do, and, and you know, and there are things that, that are good and practices and disciplines and yeses and nos and pointers and tips, but... Those none of those are more important than having a, a good marriage. 
So if you want to work on anything, work on your marriage first. And that kind of just begins to solidify how you lay out life for your kids. And at the end of the day, that's what I go back to. Um, So that would be my my first answer to that question, without a doubt. Mm, Beautiful. Uh, Question two. um, What... Do you have a healthy like habit that that's your go to for when you're feeling really anxious or stressed? Maybe uh, I know prayer is sort of the obvious answer, but is there anything besides prayer? Yeah, and and that's good because I do think there are healthy outlets. A lot of times when we think of outlets, we think of maybe bad habits, or you know, I just I sit and you know drink too much, or right. you know, smoke too much, or, or whatever. Um, but there are healthy habits that are good, mind, body, and soul. So you know, maybe someone likes to read or study and that's just like a, a thing that really is good for them. So I, I'll, I'll, I will pick up books and read, um, exercise is healthy, you know, like just getting your body and your endorphins moving. So it, it just kind of begins to lift the stress and anxiety is really good, you know, for that. So, you know, doing some type of movement and you may not be like a gym rat, but you can walk around the block and you can do some things to just be active. Maybe you like to garden, you know, the sunlight creation is really actually good for your health and for your psyche. Go outside, go to the outdoors, you know, go for walks outside, work in the garden, you know, just, yeah, like those types of things are really important. And oftentimes it it is interesting sometimes when we do feel stress, anxiety, and some depression, we actually get away from the things that we love and we kind of isolate ourselves and we should actually do the opposite. Stress is an enemy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Question number three. So we talked about St. Francis of Assisi is connection with nature. The Cajun folks have a pretty good connection with nature. Um, in your experience, in the hunting world in particular, you know, a lot of guys will say, well, like, that's their church, that's their spirituality. But there is something to that, right? Like, there's some kind of connection if people are committed to going outdoors. Um, describe that to me because I'm not a hunter and I haven't experienced that day out on a, you know, deer stand or whatever else what's it like what is the connection you do find with god um what's so powerful about that well louisiana is known as sportsman's paradise Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. you know it's on our license plates actually you know so if you go to (laughs) like georgia it's like a peach you know we're the peach state you know (laughs) i like ours better than (laughs) peachy (laughs) yeah you know so sportsman's paradise is kind of cool and there you know you don't have to be a hunter but just to enjoy nature and the beauty you know, that is sort of the outdoors of Louisiana. That being said, like if you read in the catechism, it talks a lot about how God reveals himself in what? Creation. So like what we're talking about with like animals and creation is like, so this weird thing. It's like, no, God, one of the ways that God reveals himself is through nature, through the beauty of nature because he created it. So the want and the feeling to, to be outdoors you know, to, to hunt or fish or just to, to enjoy the outdoors, whether you're not a sportsman, but you like to hike or, you know, canoe or kayak or, you know, whatever the case may be, there, there's a, there is a connection with God there that is, that is natural to our being. You know, we naturally desire to connect with God, and yet in creation, he's very present to us, not in the same way as a sacrament or in the Eucharist or at Mass in a different way. So, you know, we... You know, it's like when you're on retreat, just being outside, and it's like, yeah, man, I can just pray and breathe. It's beautiful, and that's very natural. 
That's that's a, I thought that was a really good question because I thought about it for a little bit. Like when I in the deer stand for me in the deer stand I just sleep. That's <laughs> what ends up happening most of the time. <laughs> You're just waiting for so long. But like in the duck blind, I thought about it. I'm like man, I uh, like I love it so much. Or I enjoy it so much. I like the smell of the marsh. Like it gives me a positive. I don't know reaction. You know what I mean? Like the marsh stinks if you've ever <laughs> been. But there's something about it that like gets me excited. I don't know. It's an, it's a good. Maybe it's part of our provider instinct, like as men, like to go out there and and provide. I don't know. Anyway, question number four. Question number four. Uh, Paul, if you had to choose an island to be the Catholic island, what island would you choose? <laughs> well, I, w- I don't know. I mean, I haven't been to a lot of islands. Oh, well, <laughs> but um, Scratch that. for our honeymoon, we went to St. Thomas in the Caribbean, and then we took this little boat. Uh, with a couple of people and went to this small island that just had like a shack with like a like a pub with you know made out of like you know bamboo it's called Joost van Dyke oh yeah it was a British little British island and I would just disappear to Joost van Dyke man <laughs> me and my wifey and maybe my kids and like a priest from maybe mass. not mm-hmm. maybe not the kids I mean if you're gonna live there you'd probably have mass right yeah. Right. But there there are islands in the world where there are no priests. I mean, what That's do you true. do? You, you go know? get a priest? You go get <laughs> go get one. I would take you with me, Adam, uh-huh. and then they would probably specially ordain you because of necessity. Yeah, yeah or you just force your firstborn son to become a priest, like they have always done, you know, in history. Right. You will be the priest. So just remember, Joost van Dyck. And actually, to to bring this all together, is that it was at Joost van Dyck that I ate conch for oh, the first wow. time. Wow. Mm. Really tying it together. We go way back, Adam. Uh, <laughs> we do go way back. Question number five. Uh, so we talked about the importance of Thanksgiving, and you mentioned a Thanksgiving journal briefly. What is that, and how might one start one? You know, it's just, you know, not everybody's a journaler, but, I mean, this isn't like you got to, like, journal your feelings and stuff. But, you know, I have a journal where, like, I'll just write thoughts or ideas or a scripture. And it's not all based on prayer. I might have, like, some work, you know, idea. but it, w- it would just be like taking a page and just start to write things each day that you're grateful for or thankful for. And you could just say, I'm going to just write, you know, one or two a day. And then over the course of a couple of weeks, you look back and you just have all these things that you're grateful for. And it really begins to kind of change your perspective. And so what I'll do is when I find myself kind of falling away from that, I'll just go back to it because I know it's really good for me. Um, Because, you know, part of my anxiety is is just realize, you know, anxiety is like feeling like there's no, there's no hope. You like, you can't get through, you know? And so, um, yeah. So it's just keep it simple. Cool. Question number six. How do you help manage anxiety in your family? Like maybe it's not your own anxiety, but, um, you know, your kids are in high school. Your, uh, you know, wife has work and all these things. And how do you, uh, you know, obviously they need to deal with it themselves to some extent, but they need your guide as a father, especially. Dinner around the table is just like a a nightmare. It's just awesome. You know, everybody (laughs) gets to talk and eat and have fun. And, you know, like we just try to, you know, there is, and as your kids get older, they're, they're starting to experience real life stress or anxiety too, you know, grades and applying for schools and jobs and whatever, you know, so it's really teaching them how we try to handle it through praying together and prayer as a family and, you know, having individual prayer and 
praying as a couple, like just teaching them how a part of their rhythm of life that that they're not going to get away from anxiety. Like this is normal. They're going to experience it their whole life. So we don't want to teach them to like, you know, that that something's wrong with them, you know, to avoid it. They're going to have it. So how do you deal with it? Mm-hmm. And kind of teaching them, you know, how to do that in a healthy way instead of like, hey, you know, just, you know, do all the wrong things that aren't like, only going to build more anxiety in the long run, but here's some healthy ways to, to deal with that. And, and, um, yeah, so that's, that's what we do. So anyway, we did orbit a, around a lot of stuff today. This is, this well, is pretty you cool. did warn everyone at the beginning that it was a jam packed show. Yeah. Well, we were, you know, full capacity so today. Jam packed studio. We had to celebrate and, mm-hmm. You know, so anyway, uh, great show. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Thanks to KLFT Radio and all our sponsors. Um, you can go on podcast, find it on iTunes, Google Play. You can share the show and just be a part of it. So thanks, everyone, and we'll be back next week. God bless. <laughs>